0: We present The Unbound Sketchbook, written by Gareth Johnson, Brian Murray, Dario Knight and Matthew Doherty. Volume 2.
1: Hello? Hello?
0: Hello there, madam. How can I help?
1: I'd like to return this book.
0: The Unbound Sketchbook?
1: Yes, I'd like to return it. It doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? Well, take for example this page. It's just absurd.
2: And now we have with us today Michael, a very special eight-year-old boy who is here with his mother to tell us about his very special pet. Hello, Michael and Mandy.
3: Hello. Say hello to the man, Michael. Hello.
2: But first, can I ask for your reaction to our previous story?
3: What, uh, about um, hyperinflation in Zimbabwe? Yes. Well, uh...
2: Not you, I'm... him.
3: Oh, but we're really only here to to talk about his pet
4: hedgehog. Don't
2: flimflam me. You cannot duck the question. What do you think of hyperinflation in Zimbabwe?
4: He's only 8. Uh, I'm 9 in January. Shut up, Michael. Come on. We're waiting for an answer. Well, uh... Not a lot of people would think to have a hedgehog as a pet. You're
2: avoiding the issue. Is Zimbabwe's exorbitant inflation down to Mugabe's corrupt dictatorship or not? Come on.
4: Look, he really doesn't know much
3: about economics in Africa.
2: So you admit it. Have you considered resigning? From
3: what? Uh,
4: Uh, I'm on the school council. Shut
3: up, Michael. Look, is this really appropriate?
2: I'm asking the questions here, and I'm going to have to press Uh, you for an answer. uh, uh, Come on. uh,
4: the listeners yeah, but, are waiting. Uh, Don't look at her. Um, yeah, well, I blame the Zimbabwean government for printing more money than their gross domestic product justified. This may well have helped them finance their national debt, but it has only devalued the value of existing money and caused prices to rise. This has been exacerbated by the fact that basic goods are already in short supply.
2: Oh,
0: isn't he sweet? <laughs> I need a poo. You know, you don't need to do the bell. I'm standing right here.
1: Sorry, but you have to admit it's a nice sound effect to transition between sketches.
2: To do what? Of course, one of the advantages of being double-jointed is you can really freak people out. Watch.
5: Oh, that's disgusting. By all rights, that should have snapped off by
4: now. That's nothing. Being double-jointed may be all well and good for freaking people out,
2: but can you do this? Oh, there's no call for that. That's just awful. All right. Challenge accepted, my good friend. Try this on for size. Yeah. Steve, I am simultaneously impressed and appalled. You are a freak. Looks like I'm going to have to go all
4: out on this one. Pass me that blunt spoon. You can't possibly top
5: what Steve just did. Just watch. Yeah.
4: Ah, for God's sake, get it in some ice to preserve it. Got that.
2: That was awesome. Can you do it again?
4: No, that's enough for now. Anyway, it's getting late. We should probably head back. Probably for the best. Pass me my keys. Here you go. Stop.
1: Gouging your eyes out with a blunt spoon may seem like harmless fun now. But let's see what happens five minutes down the line if you allow yourself to get behind the wheel. I
2: must admit, you really beat me there. Made my thumb thing look almost normal. It's the next right, by the way. Next right, got it. Probably best if you wait for that car to pass first. Oh, don't worry, he's miles away. Yeah, but, Ray, what about your severely impaired depth perception?
1: Oh,
4: the, 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 oh!
2: Disturbing
1: scenes. Don't let this be you. Now, let's rewind and see what you should have done.
4: Pass me my keys.
2: No, Ray. You're a danger to yourself and other road users with your lack of stereoscopic vision.
4: Oh, all right. I'll get a taxi. I can come and get my car tomorrow once the doctors have sewn my eye back in. So remember, next
1: time you're planning an act of gratuitous self-mutilation, don't let it end in disaster. You see why I'd like
0: to return it now? Not really. It's full of great stuff. There's even a section on the slightly deadly adventures of Mark and Jeff.
1: What's the slightly deadly adventures of
0: Mark and Jeff? Welcome to another episode of The Slightly Deadly Adventures of Mark and Jeff. This week, we see our heroes facing the slightly deadly
5: peril of lighting a barbecue. Damn it, Jeff. This just isn't working. We could always... Don't say it. But... It's far too dangerous. It's the only way. It's the last resort. I will not use such unstable power until all other options have been tried.
4: Damn it, Mark. How many more matches do you have to waste before you accept the simple truth of what needs to be done?
5: As many as it takes.
4: You always were a coward,
5: Mark. And you were always a headstrong, reckless maniac.
4: If having the balls to take the necessary risks to get the job done means I'm reckless, then damn it, I'm reckless. If putting the success of the mission above my own personal safety means I'm reckless, then damn it... I'm reckless, and if being able to look death squarely in the face and then push him to one side telling him he's blocking my path to victory makes me reckless, then damn it, I'm reckless.
5: You're a very charismatic man, Jeff. It's against my better judgment, but if you feel it's necessary, then get the small cup of petrol.
4: Don't worry, Mark. It'll all be fine. Trust me.
5: Do it then! There's no turning back now. Don't rush me! It's now or never, Jeff. There's only a few hours left until the forecast says a 70% chance of rain. And then this will have all been for nothing.
4: Okay, here goes.
5: Dear God, man! Get back before you slightly singe your fingers! It's too late! Ah! Okay, Jeff. Stay calm. We can fix this. To the cold tap!
0: Having succeeded in lighting their barbecue and surviving the slightly deadly peril of the flames, our heroes seek to harvest the fruits of their labors. But have their efforts
5: all been in vain? Okay, the hard part's over. It's all plain sailing from here. Pass me the sausages. Ah. I don't like the sound of that ah, Jeff. I was trying to think of a way to tell you, Mark. This isn't the time, Jeff.
4: Just pass me the sausages. It's about the sausages.
5: You're scaring me now, Jeff. Where are the sausages?
4: Don't make me say it, Mark. Say it, Jeff. I ate them. I had them for my tea yesterday. There was nothing in the fridge and they were just there. I was weak. Can you forgive me?
5: I can forgive you easily, but you might not want to know why. What do you mean? I can forgive you because... Yes! Because I ate the steak for my tea yesterday. But that means... All of this was for nothing. No, I refuse to accept that. We can get more
4: sausages.
5: To the Ford Focus. But it's Russia, you fool. The roads will be full of slightly deadly peril.
0: That's a risk we'll have to take. Will our heroes navigate the slightly deadly roads? Will they make it through the supermarket before the 70% chance of rain? Can Jeff safely drive with his hand slightly scalded? And what further mild dangers await them on their quest? Find out the answers to none. All or some of these questions in next week's almost exciting episode of The Slightly Deadly Adventures of Mark and Jeff.
1: Oh, so that's The Slightly Deadly Adventures of Mark and Jeff. You see? Not really.
0: Oh.
5: Okay, that's the Gibson account sorted. Right. I'm getting a coffee. Do you want anything?
4: Oh, yes, please. Uh, I'll have a tea. Right. And I shall have it in my new mug. Sure thing. George, wait. Read it first. World's best
5: uncle. (laughs) Sweet. Is that it? Is what it?
4: I tell you I'm the world's best uncle, and all you can say is sweet. I don't follow. George, out of however many billions of uncles, I have just been named numero uno. I think that's pretty impressive, don't you?
5: Oh, right, yeah, very funny. I'll be right back.
4: What, George? Yes? I'll be honest with you. I'm a bit upset you're not making more of a big deal of this.
5: It's just a mug, Mike.
4: Just a mug. World's best uncle, George. World's best. They make thousands of those things. You can buy them in card shops. You've always been jealous of me, haven't you? I beg your pardon? But I thought even you might show a bit of respect when your colleague of seven years wins such a prestigious award.
5: I didn't mean anything by it, I mean... I, but, I just... oh no,
4: you just have to act all blasé, like, who cares Mike's the world's greatest uncle? I bought a new pair of salad tongs at Ikea last month. Let's all talk about that for another 27 minutes and 43 seconds at the next team bonding meeting.
5: Mike, I didn't mean to upset you, it's just, look, I've got one too. World's greatest... Is this some sort of sick joke? Money's gave it to me for Christmas.
4: Oh yeah... You were at the ceremony, weren't you? What ceremony? The ceremony where I got my mug, George. It was on Saturday. My sister and her husband came over. They brought my nephew. We had cake and I was named world's best uncle.
5: It was your birthday on Saturday.
4: That's what made it extra special. But I bet you were there, weren't you? Hiding in the front garden, no doubt. You looked through my window. You saw me getting my award. Mug. And you thought, oh no, Mike can't have the spotlight, I'll get some backstreet counterfeiter... Clinton's! ...to run up another mug and parade it around work like I'm some sort of hotshot. So tell me, George, what was the last outing you took your niece on, eh? Um, uh, probably the park last month? Chessington World of Adventures, two weeks ago. What was the last gift you gave her? Ten quid for
5: her birthday.
4: Carbon fibre mountain bike, hidden disc brakes fork suspension, and a fake exhaust on the wheel that made it sound like a Lamborghini. And do you know how much that cost?
5: I don't care. No,
4: you don't. And that's why you're not world's best uncle, George. I am me. So fuck you, fuck your fake mug, and fuck your shit uncling skills. Look. World's worst uncle, George. Worst. And me, world's best uncle. World's greatest lover, employee of the month, and... Zippy from Rainbow. What? Fuck you, George.
5: All right, whatever you say, you psycho. Congratulations, Mike Smallcock. You are officially the world's biggest asshole. Here's your commemorative inscribed mug. Yes! Will you
0: stop pressing the bell? Sorry. Oh dear, looks
1: like there's a fire somewhere. Anyway, I think I'll
4: order the... Uh, Sorry, Lois, I have to, er, check the parking meter. (coughs) Now, where were we?
1: Well, I was just talking about Linda and
4: accounts. Oh, I I just have to, er, get my checkbook. Listen, Barry... Wait, Lois, I'll be right back. Barry, stop! We've
1: been together a few months now and think we need to talk. What do you mean? Well, you seem very preoccupied whenever there's an international emergency. You keep dashing off in the middle of romantic meals with some lame excuse, returning minutes later looking slightly dishevelled. And you never let me take your glasses off. Yes. You're pretending to be Superman,
4: aren't you? What? That's ridiculous! (laughs) Although, I have to admit, it would explain why you never see me and Superman in the same room together. That's because Superman is a fictional character invented
1: by DC Comics in the 1930s, and you're... Well, you're just an assistant manager at Specsavers.
4: But every superhero has to hide behind a bumbling and ineffectual alter ego. No, Barry, that's just you. I know this is hard for you to believe, but I am from another planet. The couple you met who run the dental practice in Croydon are just my adopted parents.
1: Barry, has it ever occurred to you that they just don't want to admit
4: that they're your real parents? Okay, Lois... I didn't want to have to do this. Prepare yourself for a shock. I shall remove these deceptive glasses and reveal who I really am. See? You look the same, only boss-eyed. I'm telling you, I'm Superman. Okay, prove it. Bend this
0: knife.
4: Oh, have you done it? No, I think I popped my hernia. It's not my fault. Someone must have tampered with my chicken tikka masala. Don't you know I'm allergic to kryptonite? You're lactose intolerant, Barry. It's different. I can fly. Economy. I'm bulletproof. Only if the bullets are thrown very gently. Lois... What can I do to convince you that I am a superhero?
1: Well, if you're a superhero, shouldn't you have a sidekick? Do you want to be my sidekick? Do I have to wear hot pants?
4: Yes. Yeah. OK.
1: You know,
0: I'm starting to like this book. I knew you'd come around.
4: Hello? You're through to Peter Zane's son's discreet pest control. Mick speaking. How can I be of service?
3: Oh, uh, hello. Um, I heard that you're in the... Specialist pest control business.
4: Oh, you did, did you? And who exactly did you hear from that we are Specialist?
3: I'd rather not say.
4: Oh, I think you should say. We don't go offering our Specialist service to just anyone. I'm sure you understand.
3: Okay. OK. I was told about you by Alan Robson.
4: Oh, that's different. What Specialist service do you require?
3: Well, there's a a man who's about to testify against me for fraud. Whoa,
4: whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa! Oh, whoa! Did Alan not explain how this works? Oh, right,
3: yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, OK, well, I've got this um rat, and I'm afraid he might start, like, squealing, so I need to have it
4: dealt with. That's better! And this rat, he got a name and address, has he?
3: Yeah, it's 32 Cresvale Drive, it's round the back of the Sainsbury's, you have to go right...
4: Is it done? It's done. Your pest is under control.
5: Help! This crazy man's got me trapped here.
4: Is that him? You've got him trapped there? As I say, the pest is under control. So, so you're going to kill him while you're on the phone to me? Oh my God, that's sick. Help! Kill him? Who said anything about killing? What well, I paid you to have him dealt with. Exactly. He has been dealt with. But surely you're meant to kill him? No, 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 no. We don't do that anymore. Got these humane traps now, much more civilised. Someone please help me! But he's making so much noise. It's going to attract attention. Yeah, they don't like it in the traps at first. Make a lot of noise, scratch against the bars. But he'll soon calm down. Look, couldn't you just shoot him? I'll pay you extra. Look, mate, you want him dead, that's your issue. Personally, I think that's a bit cruel. But once they've been caught, what you want to do with them is your business. Well, what am I supposed to do with him then? Well, You could always release him into the woods.
5: Yes, yes, you should do that. Whoever you are, I think you should just release me, please.
4: But then he'll
3: just come back here and testify against me for both fraud and kidnapping.
4: Well, yeah, sometimes they can come back, cause a bit of a nuisance to themselves, but most of the time they just sort of run off and mind their own business elsewhere. So, so you won't kill him? I can't let him go... What am I supposed to do with him? Well, and this may seem a little odd, but a lot of my clients, once they're under control, they like to keep him as a pet. Well,
3: Well, yeah, I suppose it could
4: work. Right, well, come and collect him then.
3: I'll be right there. Come on, Terry. Come on, boy. Beg for the slice of pizza. Come on. Who's a good
0: boy? This
5: is so demeaning.
1: Look,
0: would you rather I drowned you? The Unbound sketchbook was written and performed by Gareth Johnson, Brian Murray, Matthew Docton and Dario Knight with Pete Benson, John North, Joan Pratt, Emily Pugh and Alistair Sanderson. With special thanks to Erica Sanderson and Patrick Klein was recorded by Pete Benson, edited by Gareth Johnson, and produced by Dario Knight for Unbound.